Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I have been blessed over the last year to serve as an organizing board member for Milligan for All, an organization founded by alumni from my university and seminary who are committed to seeing the now combined institutions become fully open and affirming of persons of all gender identities and sexual orientations. That work hasn't been easy as the university's administration has made clear that they fear such a move will alienate many of the school's more conservative donors and supporting churches. They remain committed to a position that many of us have described as being militantly moderate. You won't force them to take a position on anything. In the midst of this frustrating yet important work, I've been blessed to hear the stories of many other LGBTQIA alumni and friends of the school. There have been incredible stories from persons who have struggled to accept themselves in the light of their conservative faith backgrounds passionate stories from family members and allies who have overcome their own prejudice to arrive at a place of full inclusion and affirmation, and heartbreaking stories of families and friends of those who didn't survive the struggle. Honestly, I've cried and screamed more over these stories than I ever imagined possible. Probably the most painful story I've had to hear is the one about a young man named Adam, whom I knew while I was a student in seminary. Adam was an undergraduate student at the university and planning to be a pastor. He had a heart for youth and volunteered at a local church as a sponsor in youth ministry. That's how I got to know Adam. My friend Rich was the youth minister at that church and the congregation that I served worked with that church on a number of projects. From the first moment I met Adam, I found him to be kind and thoughtful and hardworking. He was one of the gentlest people I've ever known, always willing to help wherever he was needed and never interested in any kind of argument. Adam was a peacemaker and exuded love and grace. I lost touch with Adam after I graduated, and since those were the days before social media took over our lives, I didn't hear anything about him until I met his mother. It wasn't until I started working with Milligan for All that I met her, and I heard the heartbreaking story of Adam's life. Adam graduated from Milligan and worked in a church for several years, contemplating seminary and ordination but eventually stepped away from the church. When pressed by his mother as to why, Adam came out to her. She had been raised in a conservative background and didn't know what to do with having a gay son. She did make clear that she loved him no matter what, and nothing would ever change that. She left Adam to make decisions about how to deal with his sexuality. For his part, Adam could never quite reconcile his faith with his sexuality. 
especially in light of his called ministry. Years of prayers to be made straight, and countless pastoral counseling sessions proved fruitless in bringing the healing for which Adam prayed. He fell into a deep depression and died by suicide not long afterwards. My heart aches when I think of Adam's struggle, especially knowing that there were so many of us who had walked similar paths and have found our peace. If only we would have known, maybe we could have taken him by the hand and said, you are a beloved child of God, fully and completely created in God's image, with each and every part of you, including your gender identity and your sexuality, bearing the divine image. All that you have and all that you are is a good and wonderful gift from God. Every time I have the honor to speak those words, my lips tremble because of how deeply and profoundly true they are. We are all God's beloved children, and every part of us, including our gender identities and our sexual orientations, every part of us bears the holiness of the one in whose image we have been created. When you're in the midst of the struggle, though, in the depths of despair and filled with pain and frustration, it's so hard to hear and believe those words. It's almost impossible to believe them. I think that situation is where both of the people who came to Jesus in today's gospel reading found themselves. Not just about gender identity and sexual orientation, but about who they were and what they sought. First, there's Jairus, the wealthy and respected leader of the synagogue, who comes to Jesus pleading for help for his daughter who is dying. His desperation is evident and is willing to break social norms by publicly approaching an itinerant rabbi rejected by the religious establishment and begging for assistance. This was deeply embarrassing, but Jairus doesn't care. His beloved daughter is dying, and he'll do anything to help her. Jesus responds with grace and immediately leaves with Jairus to attend to the young girl. And along the way, crowds press in on them, all seeking to find out who this Jesus is and if the stories of his courage and power are true. Among them, of course, is the woman suffering with a bleeding disorder. She's been ill for 12 years, the same number of years that Jairus' daughter has been alive. There's a long time in her life of suffering. That's a long time to be in pain and an agonizingly long time to be isolated and alone. Bleeding made one ritually unclean in the eyes of the Hebrews, and anyone who was bleeding had to be isolated out of fear of making others ill. This poor woman not only had to bear the pain of her illness, but the aching loneliness of ostracism as well. We've all just experienced 15 months of isolation. Imagine for a moment what it would be like to endure 12 years of it, a lifetime of it. 
That's what drives this woman to Jesus. She's absolutely desperate, and yet she knows she can't touch Jesus or she'll risk making him unclean as well. That's why she reaches for his robe. If I but touch his clothes, perhaps I'll be healed. It's an act of desperation, but one driven more by a desire to overcome the isolation than just the bleeding alone. That's the truth of both of these stories. They're not just about seeking physical healing. They're about overcoming the social isolation and loneliness that comes through illness and loss. The father can't imagine his life without his beloved daughter, and this woman can't imagine another moment of living as an outcast in society. Jesus knows and honors both impulses. It's the words of Jesus in response to the woman grabbing his cloak that truly move me. Your faith has made you well. This is not an act of any religious or political official. It is not the work even of a physician or a healer. The healing itself, the overcoming of this woman's isolation, is because of her own faith, her own initiative. She has stepped across the boundaries of society, across the line between unclean and clean, and she has reached out to another human being, claiming her right to be seen as a person, to be honored and respected, and it is through that act that she has been made well. The father of the young woman also reaches across those same social boundaries, refusing to stay isolated in his own comfort as a religious leader. He has stepped across the boundaries and claimed the presence of the larger community whom Jesus exemplifies, and in that act finds new life and healing for his child. He has refused to accept separation from his child. Throughout history, LGBTQIA folks have learned these great truths. Society has told us that we can be healed of our difference and conform to the expectations of others, yet we have found in our tenacity and courage that we have no need of healing who we are. Rather, it is the church and society that have need of healing their ignorance and prejudice. The healing we need is from the toxic impact of that bigotry on us. We are beloved children of God, and the healing both church and society need, and for which we all so desperately long, is to be recognized and honored as such. Adam's story wasn't the only story that moved me to tears on multiple occasions. There's the story of another Milligan alum named Sean that will stick with me as long as will Adams. Sean was born with a female body, yet knew from a very young age that he wasn't female. His parents, both professors at Milligan, were relatively conservative and had little understanding of gender dysphoria. Sean struggled throughout his adolescent years with questions about his sexuality and gender identity, but only came out to his family after graduation. Through tears, Sean confessed his fears that he might be excluded from reunion with his family in heaven because of who he knew himself to be. 
Sean's father, a renowned New Testament scholar, took him by the hand and assured him that God's love was far larger than any struggle any of us might face in this life. My dear, he said, you were worrying about things that do not matter, I promise. Be who you are. The church may never understand. Sometimes they miss the forest for the trees. You will reach hundreds, thousands that they will not simply because they do not understand. Do the best you can. Be who you are. God will take care of the rest. Those powerful words spoken with the unwavering love of a parent and the strength of conviction rooted in years of study of Scripture and humanity brought new life to Sean and to his family, and through Sean to countless others who have heard that story and shared that struggle. Jesus' words in this passage remind all of us that the healing we seek is not just physical, it's also spiritual. It's the overcoming of the isolation and loneliness that comes from feeling broken and outcast. That healing comes from claiming our identity as beloved children of God and reaching out in connection to others, refusing to be cast aside or condemned for who God has made us to be. You are a beloved child of God, fully and completely created in God's own image with each and every part of you, including your gender identity and your sexuality, bearing the divine image. All that you have and all that you are is a good and wonderful gift from God. Cling to that truth. Speak it to others over and over again because it will be the truth that raises those from the dead. It will be the truth that brings true and unending life. It must be shared because it's the only thing that can nurture the faith that brings that healing, the healing for which we all so desperately, so desperately long. Amen.